One more time, if it is your first time at South Point, thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching online, thank you for being a part of our online community. And we have been walking through a series we just called Uncharted. We just said, hey, it's a crazy year. Like, lots of different things are happening. Lots of different things are going on. We're experiencing things for the first time. And we're all trying to figure out, how are we going to handle this? And you realize for several months on end, I don't care which website you would go to for your news content, from about February on, everything, the word COVID just appeared everywhere. Like we started learning about a virus. We started learning about how it was spread. We started hearing the word social distancing, flattening the curve, all of these different things. But there just wasn't a day that you went to the news and saw anything but that until May 25th. May 25th, all of that changed and we got a reminder that, hey, we're still divided when it comes to race. And for weeks on end, that was what was talked about. I didn't think COVID could just suddenly go away, but for several weeks, we all found ourselves in a spot where we were having to ask a lot of different questions about, hey, where do we stand when it comes to race? Like, how do we deal with that? Like, racism is still very prevalent. And it's an area that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about racial reconciliation and the part that we play as believers in this, because this is an area where I can get a little bit heated. And if you kind of wonder, well, why is that such a big thing to you? Like, it's, I'm, I'm pretty white, um, <laughs> this is how I would describe myself. In fact, a couple years ago, um, Whitney, my wife, and I were standing in a church lobby, and she's really blonde and blue-eyed, and Logan's really blonde and blue-eyed, and then there's me. And uh, we're standing there, and a friend of mine walked up, his name's Dan, and he goes, man, y'all look like the perfect little Aryan family. And I, I kind of looked at him because Dan's black, and I was like, Dan, I don't know how to respond to that. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say thank you. Like, pick a different term. Like, Aryan's not exactly what I'm wanting to go with. But I'm pretty white. But I also have to say this. I, I grew up in an area, like, racism is prevalent across the world. I've had the opportunity to go to some different places. It's prevalent everywhere. Uh, I grew up in an area where racism is uh, much more at the forefront of life. I grew up in a family with racist people. I grew up in an area where everyone in my graduating class pretty much looked like me. But even at a young age, something about this, I knew there needed to be a change and I wanted to be a part of it. And so it's one that I've gotten a little bit heated over over the years because I remember standing in a church gymnasium and looking at a deacon and saying, you need to get out of here. I may have thrown some other things in there too because he had just made an unbelievably openly racist statement right in front of me. And I'm like, the church has no place for this. Like, racism, it's not going away. I feel weird kind of saying that, but look, we live in a broken world. Sin is still going to be there. One day, Jesus is going to return, and this is going to be defeated, and I look forward to that day. But people who are far from God, we said a couple weeks ago, look, they're not making the right decisions. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to those who are in Christ, We've got to have a different outlook on this. And so I've seen this in churches before, and I don't want that to ever be a thought at South Point Church. I've been in a church where they told people, there is a church for you down the street that we started for you. This was not in the 60s. This was in the late 90s. I've been in a church where one of my friends was the first black person to be baptized in 126 years of the church's history. And I celebrated that, and then at the same time, I'm like, it is not supposed to be like this. And so this morning, 
we're going to kind of go in a big circle because, one, we need to acknowledge that this is an issue even for Christians. And I want to show you how this is an issue for Christians, but then I want to show us what happens when God comes in and the gospel changes someone. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 a good bit this morning. We're going to start in verse 9. It'll be on the screen, and you can follow along your Bible if you like. But in verse 9, it says, The next day, <coughs> excuse me, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened up, and something like a sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up to heaven. Now, I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit because earlier this week when we were staff meeting, they were like, what's our text for this week? I'm like, Acts chapter 10, like the whole chapter. Like, if I tried to walk through the whole chapter, we'd be here until next Thursday. So, kind of before Peter has this vision, at the same time that Peter's in this trance and he's watching this cloth come down with all these animals in it, at the same time, God is working on the heart of a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, which means he's in a pretty decent amount of leadership. He's also called from the Italian cohort, so we know that he is a Gentile. He comes from a place, he would have come from the Roman peninsula, and there was just a pantheon of gods that he grew up with. He grew up knowing about the Temple of Jupiter and Armides and all these other pantheon of gods, but somehow he gets stationed out here, and they had been around Jewish people long enough where he went, you know, it's not about that. There is one God, and his name's Yahweh. And it says that he was a man who prayed often, gave alms to the poor, and sought after God. And so while Peter's in his trance, Cornelius is told, hey, you need to go and find a guy. His name's Peter. You just need to start looking for him. Send some people out. And while that's happening, Peter is up on top of this roof. And if that sounds weird, like <clears throat> rooftops back in that day were almost like a patio. So it wasn't like he was some crazy person on a roof. He just went up there and he was hungry. So they're making him some food and he falls into a trance. What we see in this is Peter's got a heart of racism. Like, these things are being let down, and you've got Christ going, kill and eat, Peter. And he's going, no, that's, I've never had anything unclean in my life. What Jesus was trying to get at is, hey, Peter, there are people out there that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't think like you, and you need to reach them. Like, Peter, he did not have it in his heart to go out to someone like Cornelius and say, let me share the gospel with you. Because he saw Cornelius as something to distance himself from. He saw Cornelius as something that I don't want to be a part of your community. I don't want to be a part of your nationality. I don't want to be a part of you. And I don't even want to take the most amazing gift in the world of the gospel and share it with you. And so he even starts to argue with Christ when he says, By no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And I think Jesus kind of goes... I did say I was going to build my church on this guy, but come on, Peter, get with it. And he says, hey, what God has, called, or God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing goes up. I think that was probably pretty interesting to Peter. Because if you think back into the Gospels, there's a moment where Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. 
take care of my sheep. He does it three different times. By the end of it, Peter's kind of frustrated, but it's the reminder that three different times Peter denied Christ. And so I think the third time that this happened, as this conversation is happening, I think in Peter's mind, it's like anytime something happened three times, he gets that, oh, yeah. And he has a moment where he has to think. Because right now, man, his heart is not in a good place. He, he's in a spot where he needs to acknowledge it. And that's something that each and every one of us have to do as well. I'm going to say something, and I always try and preface certain things, because if you want to go into a sermon and pull something out and like make it like a three-second clip, it makes it sound really, really bad. But I'm going to say something, um, but I'm prefacing, I'm going to explain it. Uh, don't get up and run out as soon as I say it. And hopefully, if you watched online last week, there was a moment where it just kind of looped with me and kind of sounded cool and remixed. And so I was basically saying, this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful. If it happens right now, we're going to have to take that one down quickly. But I'm going to say this. I have the potential to be racist. And I say that, and now I want to explain it a little bit. You're not going to hear me just running out of here throwing around racial slurs. That's not what I'm getting at. But I want us to acknowledge that there are times in our hearts we will look at a nationality or color and be guilty of racism. And you know what's taught me this? Mission work. Because I've found myself in another country with people of a different culture and not thinking like totally racist thoughts, but I remember watching them do stuff and go, why do y'all do it like that? And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, this is not my culture. This is, you could look at me and say, why do you do it like that? But I found myself just having judgmental thoughts and not in an overly negative way, but just enough to go, hey, you're looking at them and you're thinking that you can do this better because of where you're from and who you are or anything like that. So we all have that in us. Like we have the ability to look at something and we may think of it even in an innocent way, but we've got to acknowledge that is a heart issue and we have to address that heart issue. So let's backtrack a little bit. Why is this a heart issue? Because God has a heart for everyone. One, God made all ethnic groups from one ancestor. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Paul's speaking here, and he says this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. So... One, every ethnic group, doesn't matter if you're American, doesn't matter if you're Asian, everyone can track back and go, look, there's Adam. Great, 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 grandpa Adam that we all share a common lineage from. We can pretty much all go back and find Noah in there too. <laughs> so every person ever, we're all descendants. We're all related. We may look different, but we all have one common ancestor that we can look to and go, that is where I came from. And then we can look at Adam and Eve and go, you screwed that up big, didn't you? Like, blame your grandparents. Like, we all can go back to that. And at the same time, in those times where we kind of get it in our hearts that, man, maybe I'm better than someone because of where I'm from or who I am, he goes on and he says, of every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. You did not place yourself here. 
God did. Be reminded that God is in control, that God is sovereign. He placed you where you are. You did not place yourself there. It needs to kind of humble us and remind us a little bit. Because also within this, he's talking to this group of what's known as Athenians. And they had a word that I am way too Texan to try and pronounce right now. But it carried this idea that it was a very proud word for them because it meant that they were born in Athens. Like they were born there. They did not have to come there. They were not brought there. But it was a sense that I am better than other people because I was born in this place. And when he says every nation, he means panethos, every ethnic group. And he looks at them and says, hey, you think you're so great because you're from the city, but God's the one who put you here. He put you here in this time. Like, take a step back from that and realize that God is in control there. And then all ethnic groups are made in the image of God. Look in Genesis 127. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Every race is made in the image of God. I love that verse. It's on a poster just right out there. Sometimes I use it as a reminder of, hey, we're not about numbers. Like, you are an image, not a number. Like, you, there is a soul in your body. But that verse is also a good reminder that every person, regardless of race, regardless of color, is made in the image of God. We need to put more stock in being made in the image of God than in the race that we go by. I've thought about this a lot this week of, man, if I, my kid's got 100 eggs, I want them to put all 100 eggs in the basket that says, I'm made in his image, not just simply the color of skin that I happen to be wrapped in. And when we see people as image bearers, as we see people beyond just the, the epidermis, like when we see people and say, that person was made in the image of God, it changes things. It has the potential to change things. When we stop seeing people for whatever political party they are and go, that person was made in the image of God. Maybe I should be loving towards them. Maybe I should be gracious towards them. Maybe it should impact the way that I talk about them or that I interact with them. Maybe it should push me more to go, you know what, you were made in the image of God, you were loved, and so I want, to, I want to share something with you because whenever we do that, when we see God's image instead of color, change happens. So now let's get back to Peter for a second. Look in Acts chapter 10 and verse uh, 23. It says, the next day he rose and he went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down on his face and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered and said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Peter's had a little bit of a change of heart. He's had enough time to kind of think for a second that, hey, God's doing something here. God's calling me to something. The Spirit is teaching me. And I need to be obedient to that. He has a heart change. And in this moment, he says, you know what? Change happens, and change happens when we just let God guide us and teach us. 
And the gospel moves us past what the world would say because he says, hey, you know it's unlawful for me to be in this room. At the time, as he's standing there, Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. And Paul had had, or Peter had had that wrapped up in his head so much that he even argues with God, but now he's acknowledged it and he's had a little bit of a change. And he goes, hey, God has shown me something. He has shown me that there can be reconciliation. And he says to them, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so then it continues on, look in verse 34. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is what happens when the gospel looks at people and not just simply color. Peter's going, hey, this is about to go out in big, big ways. It's about to go out and change people's lives. He says, hey, God shows no partiality. What does that mean for us at South Point? When people walk in here, they have got to be made to feel welcome. Like, this is a place, I've I've told our leadership, like, I want it to look less Anglo. (laughs) I don't want it to just look like people like me. I want this to be a place where whenever someone comes in, we go, hey, welcome to South Point. And they feel loved, and they can know the gospel. He says, understand, every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. We have to have that reminder sometimes that you have brothers and sisters all over this world. You got brothers and sisters in Christ that they don't look like you. They don't speak your same language. And one day, heaven is going to be filled to the brim with that. I can't wait for that. Because I've seen kind of what happens when people go, hey, I'm not, I'm not concerned with skin color. I'm not concerned with nationality. There's a bigger thing here. Jesus Christ. One of the best times of worship I've ever had. I was sitting around with a group of guys. We did not speak the same language. And we wanted to sing together. And so you kind of, you're up against the rock a little bit. And so I just started humming different hymns. Like I grew up with all the hymns. They are so burned into my brain, they will never go away. And I started humming a couple of them. And I started humming at the cross, and one of the guys goes, that one. And so they started singing it in Spanish. We started singing it in English. And it was one of the coolest times of worship I've ever had. And I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, man, we can hardly communicate with each other. But look what the gospel does. Look at this pure moment of worship because in all the nations, anyone who is following after Christ is acceptable to him. And so Paul's had this change of heart. He's sharing the gospel. Lives are being changed. And then it kind of wraps up in, in, with this. Look in verse 44. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. This is a cool moment in the history of mankind. Because you had a group, it says, the group of the circumcised. That was the people who came from a Jewish background. They were looking at these Gentiles, and they're like, this is kind of a weird party. We have never really hung out with y'all. So what do we do here? And then suddenly the Holy Spirit just falls on these people. They begin praising God and says they were kind of taken back like, oh, God really does care about other people. God really does care about these people that I have spent my entire life looking at going, I don't associate with you. I don't think like you. But suddenly, God is concerned with you. And the gospel's going out. Holy Spirit's falling on them. And they're kind of amazed. See, the Holy Spirit does not care about what color you are. 
The Holy Spirit is not concerned with nationality. The Holy Spirit is concerned with the nations because we take the gospel out to all of them. And this is this cool, beautiful moment where Peter woke up one day and would have never thought, I can go in to Cornelius' house. I can look at Cornelius and call him a brother. That was the farthest thought from his mind. And yet you watch what happens when God starts working on our hearts. You watch what happens when God starts to, to move and we respond in the positive way. And we respond and go, you know what? I'm going to be obedient to that. What happens? The gospel begins to go out. Because the gospel is concerned for everyone. Therefore, we have to be concerned with everyone. We have to care about our neighbors regardless of what color they are. We have to care about our friends that maybe don't look like us. Because God's doing things in the nations. And I often try and point this out too. Whenever it talks about in the nations in the Bible, you know where that is? Here. This is written from a long time ago, a long ways away. They were thinking of places that hadn't even been discovered yet, like Abilene, Texas. And so here we are. We have the opportunity to reach the nations in our own backyards. But we've got to be concerned with people's hearts. We've got to be concerned with it so much that we say, hey, I'm willing to put other things aside because I want to be able to reach out to my neighbors. I want to reach out to a community that doesn't look like me. I want to reach out to a community that maybe doesn't talk like me because God's concerned with that. He has a heart for all of us, and we have to have the same heart. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I pray we wouldn't become so prideful at times that we forget that we hurt the Gentiles. We're the ones that people were amazed that you loved enough to pour your spirit out on them. God, you have a heart for all, and I pray that we would have the same heart. God, that we wouldn't let this be one more issue that divides us. That we would see people with your eyes. Because when we do, God, we, I mean, we just read a story of change. A whole household of people coming to know Christ. And if there's someone here today and you don't know what that looks like, to have experienced a personal relationship with Christ. You can have the same hope and grace and mercy that these people did. It's acknowledging that, yes, I know I'm a sinful person, but I want to turn from that. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So if that's you this morning, maybe it's just praying, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you. I want to turn away from the things that I've done. I want to follow Christ and experience forgiveness. Man, and in that instant, people are made new. And when people are made new, we can have a heart for reconciliation. You've given us that ministry, God. I pray that as a church, we would lead out in it. That all would know they are welcome here. God, we love you. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.